show number 121 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Well, I learned something. Yeah? Never too early to belt back a few. We just watched 1961 TV drama, The Defenders. Uh, Was this Durr's as opposed to Durr? Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, Guest starring William William Shatner, Shatner. looking quite hot and full of charm, uh, in an episode called Killer Instinct, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, And it was kindly, kindly put up by the folks at um, More Shat, Less Shame. Oh, cool. That's where I downloaded it. So thank you guys for putting that up and allowing us to watch it. And if you get a chance to do it, you know, join the live journal group and then you can download it. It's well worth watching. I think it was quite entertaining. It was. um, It's just amazing to me the more and more of these 60s dramas we watched, Mm -hmm. how how wordy and, like, at times just dragging along doing stupid stuff they are. And breaking so many actual laws. (laughs) I I mean, I I just kept thinking throughout this. It's like, hmm, it's pretty different here on Earth. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, William Shatner is a guy named Jim. Jim McCleary. He's a stockbroker. He's on his way to work one morning, and um, a, a jerk uh, he bumps into on his way to the train picks a fight with him, and he kills him <laughs> with his bare hands in the first two minutes of this episode. Yes. Just like he does a nice Kirk move with the two hands together, mm-hmm. and he whacks him, and anyway, the guy's dead. So then he has to get defended by his friend, and... Um, then the whole rest of the episode is basically just trying to get him off, sort of, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then there's stuff that happens in it that we were like, hmm, I didn't know you were allowed to do that. Like, Shatner goes with his lawyer to talk to the wife of the guy that he killed. Yeah. Like, how does that happen? When are you allowed to do that? And why doesn't she freak out when she sees mm-hmm. him? Um, and then the really good part is during the trial... Um, he gets into another fist fight with the brother of the guy that he killed and almost kills him yep. with his bare hands. Yep. And he does a great two-handed karate chop on either side of the guy's head. That was cool. That was really cool. Yeah. Um, his wife is played by... You, you spotted it. It was great. Right the, in the Romulan commander. Yeah, Joanne Linville. Mm-hmm. Amazing that you picked that up so quickly. It was her voice. Mm. So she and Bill knew each other, obviously. From, yeah, knew each other. Did he <laughs> do her? Probably. That was some kiss. It was. <gasps> he was smooching seriously. And, 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 <laughs> and in the middle of the smooch, he goes, I don't feel embarrassing, Lawrence. <laughs> and a little crowd gathers to watch. Yeah. He goes, Let him watch. Most of them could probably use lessons. <laughs> well, we've always said Bill could teach. Oh, man. Um, Plus, they lived... Somewhere up in Westchester, yeah. they mentioned, but their kid has a Brooklyn accent. <laughs> yeah. You're my father. <laughs> um, and uh, in the end, he's guilty. <laughs> and he, he changes his plea to guilty because it all has something to do with taking personal responsibility, which yeah. is great. But then he makes this long, really dumb speech about, aren't we all responsible <laughs> for the war and the way they, And we're sitting here going, no. 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 Haven't we all been bullies? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
uh, reminded me a lot of um, the speech that they make in the courtroom scene in Animal House, yeah. where, where, where it starts off normal, and then he just keeps going and going and going. It was yep. like that. It was like, what the hell are you talking about? Mm -hmm. So it was very, very entertaining. Um, let's see. We got to see, so yes, there is a scene when Bill arrives at the um, law offices of his attorney, played by E.G. Marshall and his son, Robert Reed. And immediately, he makes a beeline over to the booze. And, and they've just gotten off the subway. It's the morning. Yeah, it's like 9 o'clock in the morning, and he's belting a few back. But we got to see four separate Shatner swallows. The first one was awesome in its completeness it and was. detail. It had so much business attached to mm -hmm. it. He pours it. He picks it up. He looks at the glass, mm -hmm. like really looks at it. And he takes a big swig of it, and he does the whole chewing mouth thing. And then after he's done swallowing, he looks at the glass again. Yep. He considers it. It's like a five-step process. <laughs> so mm. much business. It was great. So we got four Shatner swallows. Mm -hmm. I really like that. Um, and then at some point during the proceedings, they start saying the word grimace. <laughs> as grimace. Yes. Is this some alternate pronunciation of the word grimace that I was unaware of? I don't know. It sounds like the name of a character in Lord of the Rings. It does. Grimace. And they say it like six times. And mm -hmm. everybody says it that way. So clearly the director was like, okay, you all have to say it the same way. But I have this vague memory in my head of Bill saying it that way in some interview or in, something. Yeah. Grimace. Grimace. Who says grimace? I don't know. It's E.G. Marshall. Weird. Apparently so. And Bill was wearing one of the worst toupees of that oh. period that oh. we'd ever seen him wear. I mean, he looks great, and, and he his hair is very short and everything, but it looks like a piece of plastic molded onto yes. his head. It's and so it, it, it sits so far back on the sides that you can really see that there is, like, no hair there. Yeah. Really a bad one. Just, uh, but like, you can see his dimples, oh, and he's got a yeah. little mole. A little mole on the right <gasps> side of his face. Yeah. He was looking really, really sharp, and... Had his big old eyes. He was using mm -hmm. them to good effect. No shirtless shots. In fact, the most we ever got to see him was with his jacket off. Yeah. So that was kind of disappointing. He should have gone for a swim or something. I think so. Well, right at the beginning of the episode when he gets home, he says he's going to go in and get ready for bed. I mean, that was the perfect opportunity. Yeah. To at least show him, you know, in a t-shirt or something. Mm, oh, well. I don't know how they missed that one. <laughs> Man. You know, give the people what they want. I know. Well, they didn't know. They didn't know what they had. They had dynamite in a bamboo cannon on their hands. <laughs> so, yeah, it was pretty talky. And we were really amusing ourselves during the whole courtroom sequence by looking at the extras. Because <laughs> they were pretty interesting looking people that yeah. were back there. There was the woman in the back who was chewing gum throughout. <laughs> like, really chewing gum. Yep. You could see a lot of jaw action. There was the other woman who looked like a gypsy. And there was one with big googly glasses on, yep. which side was Rat Lady. And... Yep. And then there was the guy sitting next to um, Bill's wife, who looked like Bob Dylan. Yeah. Had really big hair piled up on his head. And uh, and there was, um... oh crap, who was the other one? Oh, the lady with the hat that I thought were hair curlers. Oh, right, right. Something right. in the front. And there was actually a lady at the end who was wearing um, a leopard pillbox hat. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of cool. And the guy that f sort of fell asleep halfway through the trial. <laughs> and it was filmed in New York. That was very interesting. Yeah. Um, so it must have been easy for them to do those shots, the outdoor shots. They mm -hmm. just got to the car and drove down the street and yep. did a little bit of filming. Oh, Bill. Young Bill. Yeah, acting away. And, you know, the funny thing is before we realized that the wife was being played by Joanne Linville, 
you know, he comes home and she's, oh, Jim, what happened? I'm so worried. I said, she looks 15 years older than mm -hmm. he does. And that's the thing. Joanne Linville always looked older than mm -hmm. she was because I thought she looked like she, in, in the Star Trek episode, I thought she looked like she was in her 40s and getting on to 50. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, but I guess that's, you know, just just the way she is. Just yeah. it, yeah. Yeah, but Bill was. I mean, everybody was good. You mm -hmm. know, this pretty decent level of acting, except for the funny guy, um, the witness, the, yeah. the little guy who was like, "Well, yes and no." <laughs> <laughs> Where was I going with that? And then everybody shuts up. There's this long silence. <laughs> like, we judge, don't know. Yeah. And the judge says, "We read that back." Sure. <laughs> Oh, man. And the, then after, as you pointed out, Bill almost kills the guy's brother right in the courtroom. Then the next scene we see Bill on stand, I said, wouldn't they have declared a mistrial? Really? And it's not even the next day. It's, it's like five minutes five later. Five minutes later, get this bloody guy out of my courtroom. Let's go on. Let's just keep going on with the trial. Let's go on. <laughs> you know, for me, it, it was verging on... Um, sort of a Python thing. I don't know if you ever saw this sketch that they had a very long involved courtroom sketch, but Carol Cleveland was the court stenographer. Mm -hmm. And at one point, and she's doing it, and at one point the judge says, Oh, strike that from the record. And she says, Oh, that's all right. I haven't gotten that far yet. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting something like yes, that. Yes, yes, I could see where you would. <laughs> What a wacky, wacky thing. And that's what people had to watch back then. Yeah. Black and white courtroom dramas. The one thing that did surprise me was um, the little guy. You know, he says, what do you want me to call him, the defendant? And the judge says, yes, if you would. He goes, I know all about it from jury duty. And, of course, now everybody knows all about it from television. Of but course. Back then it was, I know all about it from jury, jury duty. From jury duty. <laughs> oh, man. So, and, you know, they didn't even give us the conclusion. No. So at the very end, Bill changes his plea to guilty and makes this ridiculous speech about how we're all responsible for every war, not. And then um, that's it. And all these people in the courtroom come up to congratulate him on something. Being, on being guilty. A, being a stand-up guy, I guess. And uh, E.G. Marshall and the prosecutor, who looked very familiar to me, a character actor I've mm -hmm. seen in a million things, they're just sort of chatting away, going, well, what do you think's going to happen? Well, he might get a year, might get something else, not really sure. Well, that's all well and good, and then it's over. It's like yeah. we never get to find out what happened to Yeah, him. where was the voiceover? Jim McClary was sentenced to blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so know. we don't know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Oh, well. Oh, well. Just have to... Make up our own. Yeah. And then, you know, and part of the speech that Bill gives is about, um, you know, this guy was a bully and he was really horrible, but he had six kids and therefore he deserved to live. It's like, what? <laughs> Not really enough. Apparently everyone hated him except his brother, who was as much of an asshole as he right, was. Right. But the wife was on the stand going, he was a bully. He was horrible. He beat me and he beat the kids yeah, and everything else. But So basically everybody hated him. Nobody liked him, but it still wasn't okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I don't know. I guess they were law and order no matter what or something. I guess so. Anyway, but uh, yeah, that was well worth watching. It was. It yeah. was good. So I think there are some more things like that. Um, there might be another Defenders that he was in. I'll have to check. Okay. Um, but I noticed that at that point, 1961, you know, his name did not appear in the opening credits. It was mm -hmm. just in the regular credits after it was over. He wasn't a big enough star to get sort of star billing. Well, you know... And I believe this is the first episode of that series we've ever seen, mm -hmm. right? That's right, yeah. And um, 
it's quite possible that E.G. Marshall was a big enough star to mm. say nobody's name is going above That's the title true. but me and, and Robert Reed. Mm -hmm. um, because in a lot of those that we have seen, the main guest star, the, you know, who, who plays the guy in trouble or whatever, so many of them were doctor or lawyer shows, um, does does appear. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think it was necessarily a TV standard. I think it might have been somebody, you know, swinging their mm -hmm. clout around a little. Yep, definitely. Or Bill might have had kind of a jerk of an agent. It's possible. Um, it was also interesting in looking at this that um, everybody was white. For something that took place in New York, mm -hmm. having everybody be white. And yep. they kind of made a point of showing, you know, Bill's nice house with his wife in Westchester or whatever. And then when they go to the the wife of the guy that he kills, you know, it's like in Brooklyn or something, mm -hmm. right? You know, it's kind of run down, kind of tenementy looking. So at least they were trying to show that. But yeah, not one non-white person anywhere in this whole episode. Mm -mm. Nope. So Bill has a long history of being um, on lawyer shows. Yes. Even going back that far. Mm -hmm. He's very familiar with it. Yep. Well, this was a great find. I'm so glad that, that more Shat Less Shame put that yeah. up. And I look forward to seeing other things they put up. I hope somebody, because we've just never watched it or taken the trouble to track it down, will put up um, Pray for the Wildcats. Oh, yeah. We keep meaning to see that. I think you can get it on DVD, but I just haven't felt like paying for it, basically. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I could look and see if it's on a torrent somewhere. Somebody might have bothered to do that. But we filled in. We can check one more thing off our list yep. of things that we watched. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about something else or you want to take a break? Let's take a break. Okay, we'll take a break and uh, we'll come back with more Shack. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds to seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. What has Bill done for you lately? Comments to lookathisbutt.blogspot.com Email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com This podcast recorded on a MacBook Pro with Audacity and GarageBand. This is TSFPN.com, the sci-fi podcast network. You've found the best podcasts in the universe. Da, 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 da. Yes? Oh, all right. <laughs> so, one of the features of Drunken Trekkies, who we've talked about before. And we're talking about them again. And we're talking about them again. Uh -huh. Is they do movie reviews on their site. And they aren't even reviewing Trek movies. Mm -hmm. They're reviewing other movies, mm -hmm. and they're reviewing them in terms of Star Trek. I love that. I think that's brilliant. So um, what I want to do here is um, I'm not going to read you their review of Avatar because a number of people may not have seen it, mm -hmm. including me. Mm -hmm. But at the end of each of the reviews, the review is, is broken into several sections. There's uh, the plot, brief synopsis, in my humble opinion, which is the review part. And then the next section is compared to the great Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Are they all compared to Star yes. Trek II? Great. That's brilliant. This movie is life from lifelessness, which is to say the animation is pretty damn good. It better be for the money spent. Now, in this case, the next section is if Leonard Niboy had directed oh, it. Oh, okay. Um, he would have played the voice of, of Galvatron, or maybe there would have been a why you pointy-eared blue skin joke. <laughs> if Scotty had seen the movie with me, that's always oh, in there. Oh, that's great. 
He'd have said, why, Starfleet would have sent the captain to negotiate a treaty with the natives, just as he did with the Halkins. Oh, what an adventure that was. <laughs> and then there's always some spoilers. So the first one I read, though, was the one for the proposal, this uh -huh. romantic comedy Sandra Bullock movie. And this guy admits that he loves Sandra Bullock. Uh -huh. So compared to the great Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan, this movie is a no-win situation. For boyfriends, that is. Except for the Sandra Bullock is actually naked scene. If William Shatner had directed it, uh -huh. he would have screwed the continuity glitches and reprised, rep reprised his role as Stan Fields who was uh, the guy in Miss Congeniality. Uh -huh. If Scotty had seen the movie with me, he'd have said, aye, and I'd have liked to fly Betty White a few times around the <laughs> galaxy myself. <laughs> and here's how he rates it. I give this movie 1.29 nomads out of five. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. I like that. I yep. like that as a measurement. Yeah, I think that's good. Uh, they also review... Um, What is this movie? I've never even heard of it. The Hunting? I don't know. It's some sort of RoboCop thing. But anyway, I think that's a great way to I review movies. It's awesome. And um, are they actually drunk when they review these movies? Or is that I, just sort of a, a thing? I don't know. Their, their thing is drunken Trekkies. A couple of Melkotians sitting around talking. <laughs> <laughs> now here's something. It says, what's this a boot? So let's see what that, yeah, if yeah. that'll tell oh, us. Oh, what's it say? Put two fans of Star Trek like Commodore Mendez and Yeoman Nacelle Envy. <laughs> oh, is this the same Commodore Mendez? I think so. Sense of stuff. Oh, that's awesome. Together in a room with some Cabernet vodka or just some nicely chilled Sterno, and you're going to get the kind of provocative intellectual discourse that would make a provider want to spend his last quatlu to call his mom, <laughs> a squire of Gothos soil his fine silk waistcoat, or a nurse chapel ask a certain Vulcan to give back her underwear. Okay, and then there's comments. Oh, and here, here's their take on uh, Trekkies versus Trekkers. Oh. See, now I may not be me soberest as I write this, so bear with me. Bear, bear, I never ever like the term Trekkers because it seems to carry a sense of self-importance that takes away the fun of fam fan-loving something as singular and as sometimes silly as Star Trek. In some quadrants, Trekkies is still being used as a pejorative term, but the people who do are assholes and no doubt love things like sports and pro-life rallies. <laughs> but I think we have and should continue claim the label Trekkies as our own and proudly with chest broad and pants threatening to bust. I could not agree more. I think that's great. I've always thought Trekkies sounded like a much more friendly and accessible and fun, fun term definitely fun i yes. like that but let's reclaim it i completely i agree, I agree. So now is see, this a picture of the real commodore mendez there no the, the one from the, the tv yes. show okay now they've linked to us <gasps> they have yes and i wanted to show you something oh, they also linked to modern drunkard magazine which we love because it had that great yeah about drinking and training. now let's see oh and they mentioned us. yes it's a butt plug <laughs> And it says, listen to the lovely ladies that look at his butt who kindly gave us a nod in their latest podcast. And we're doing it again. We're doing it again. We're, we're loving it. And now I see there's all kinds of fun links here that we would... Uh, we would like. We, would, we will need to do oh, some exploring. As, are we listed as part of the away team? Yes, we are. We are. We're an away team. Oh, and look, they have other good things. The landing party, like the agony booth. I love the, the den of and, geek and my Star Trek scrapbook. That's yeah, really good. Superman is a dick. I love that site. Trek core. Trek core. Oh well, we're in good company. That's right. Ooh, what's the Captain Kirk page? Captain Kirk. Captain We've Ooh. been to this page. Have we? 
Yeah. I don't remember this. Was Kirk a womanizer? This is, um, what's her name? Okay. When we get there. Uh, oh. What is her name? Is it Laura? Is it? I always get her mixed up. Oh, we're not doing good radio right now. Oh, oh, sorry. Eating. Sorry. Don't <laughs> <laughs> worry, Um, It's Laura. What's her name? Yeah. Yeah, but there was something here I wanted to, that we linked Ooh, to earlier. Also, how, IO9, that's very good. Grabby old fart. <laughs> was it? Confessions of a Schmo. There was one here about Trek crap that we were looking really? at a minute ago. Was it? Yeah. Go, go through the landing. Trek game. nostalgia. Oh. Oh, Trek nostalgia, There's something right. called Trek Nostalgia. And here is a picture of the salt vampire, and it says that it is canceled. Can I just tell you something scary? I'm reading the About Me. It says, I started watching TNG and DS9 during my childhood. Oh, my God. Do you know how old that makes me feel right now? <laughs> I am like 100 years old. When someone says they watched DS9 during their childhood. Really? Oh. So, um, word is that DST, whoever they are, have canceled their plans to release the Salt Vampire figure. Oh. Um, back in 2003, Art Asylum this year. Blah, 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 blah. Now, due to poor sales of the line, the release of this long-lost masterpiece has once again been put on oh, hold. Oh, well, that's too bad. Oh. Still no Gary Mitchell um, doll. No. Not well, that's because Gary okay. won't let them. Yeah. Now, here's a Starfleet uh, Away Team I kit. Like Where do you get that from? Okay. Fanmedia.com. So I'm going to look that up. You read what it says, and I'll okay. look it up. Oops. The Starfleet Away Team kit. Originally offered by the official fan club for a brief period of time near the end of the club's existence, this kit came in an awesome-looking field backpack with a Starfleet Survival Team logo on its shiny metallic gray surface. Inside the pack, you'd find a glow-in-the-dark flashlight, water bottle, and a blanket. Ooh, a blanket uh, made out of space-age materials. Space blanket. Yeah. Oh, the fan club discontinued it, and then they closed their doors for good, so I was never able to get it. I still check for it on eBay from time to time, but has never found a complete oh, yeah, one. Oh, yeah, the URL that they have in that ad doesn't work. Right, because, yeah, you can't get it. The Bugger. DS9 Baseball Cat, Starfleet oh, Academy graduate, yeah. which we will never be given. Enterprise, Enterprise crew wear. The Star Starfleet Trek's Survival oh, Guide. That's interesting. Published by Pocket Books. Hmm. Seems to me I've seen that. Oh, and they have sale, they're listing sales and things yeah, like so action figures and stuff. Shatner and Payton, which we did want to talk about. Oh, well, we could talk about it now then. Okay, Let's for those it. of you, um, this is on NBC.com and a few other places, but uh, Bill came on the Conan O'Brien show, the Tonight Show, mm -hmm. to read some more from Sarah Penn. He was reading from her book. And when he finished, she came out and read from his book, Me So Horny, mm -hmm. otherwise known as Up Till Now. And, you know, it kind of proved, oh, she's a good sport and everything. The best part was Bill checking her out. Because <laughs> you could just just see it. He of started course. standing back and looking. You know, you could see the, the elevator oh. eyes, the whole thing. Oh, that's so He's funny. just so Bill. <sighs> oh. Bill. Bill, 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 Bill. Yeah, Bill. so everyone, you should definitely go watch that mm -hmm. i'm just sort of scrolling through trek nostalgia right now some cool stuff whoa what the hell is that's that? a drawing of an orion slave girl really yeah oh, it says it is okay she looks a little ethereal oh it's here's gorn. the gorn Yay! gorn cannon <laughs> gorn cannon i have to say that now i have to say that like once a day what are those are covers to books or something 
among the cliffs of Vulcan. No, it's fan art. Oh. It's a bunch of fan art. Okay. Oh, boy. <laughs> so we kind of sidetracked there. But um, anyway, Trek Nostalgia seems like it might be an interesting place to visit occasionally. Mm -hmm. I agree. And uh, Drunken Trekkies is definitely a place mm -hmm. to uh, to see. Also, I do want to tell you one more thing about their avatar review. At the bottom is a picture of a big blue smurf. <laughs> And it says, if, heaven, if humans ever do meet technologically inferior blue aliens who have something we want, it won't be pretty. <laughs> Which is probably very, very true. Oh, that's very funny. Um, do we have time, because it's the only thing I have left on my list, yeah. to do the Maynard thing? Oh, um, maybe. We need to take a break. Well, we could take a little break, and then we could either do that. Well, well, we'll investigate, and we'll come back. Okay. And we'll let people know just what the hell we're talking about. Okay. So, so let's let's take a break. We'll All come right. right back. Star Trek. So what? <laughs> yeah, Star Trek, man. Um, we just watched a little bit of the DVD that Maynard had sent us. And thank you for sending it to us. Yes. Um, thank you for all the interesting and fun Christmas music that you sent also. We're all stocked up for next year. I know. I'm really um, excited. But um, So Maynard's TV show, he has a little set. And he has a TV. Very colorful. Very colorful. And he has a TV in one corner, which in this particular one was playing a Star Trek episode. So the thing we want to know is, is it always playing a Star Trek episode or was it just special for this one? I don't know, but I would love to think that Maynard had this set where Star Trek was always, always on. Always on. That'd be perfect. Yeah. It was great. We were watching and I was like, oh, look, it's Captain Kirk, it's Captain Kirk. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. And the rest of it, you know, was it was music and, and stuff about this this place, the Horn Dern, that used to have these big dance parties mm -hmm. and stuff. So we're not going to dwell on that too much here on the podcast, but it was cool. It was cool. We were, we were like... When's he going to get the Star Trek stuff in here? And there it was. You know, I was looking around. I was like, oh, there it is. There it is. There it is. Very clever. Oh. Um, so at the end of this episode, I'm going to put in um, our review of the Star Trek place down in San Jose that we went to see. The Star uh, Trek place. The, the you know exhibition. what we didn't do, though? What? We didn't go over to the restaurant and have the Star Trek, the exhibition meal. Did they have that? Yeah. It wasn't at the museum. Yeah. At um. Oh, that's the right. hotel. It was, at, it was at the hotel. Star Trek: there. The Culinary Experience. That's right. Well, you know. We'll have to do that another time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we did go to the exhibition and we saw it and and it was interesting. It yeah. Was great. It wasn't anything to write home about. Um. But you'll hear what we have to say. Hopefully, it won't be too loud because we did it in the museum and there were a lot of people around that it was very echoey. Yeah. So well, you know, we, do. we do what we do. Um, so I have one more short topic to talk about, which okay. was that I watched yesterday um, a little interview that David Frost did with Orson Welles. 
Okay. Probably circa like mid to early 70s. It was before he grew that enormous beard, but he was still quite mm -hmm. fat at that time. And he was talking to David Frost about learning the art of cold reading, pretending you're a psychic and telling people about them. And, oh. Um, it was really interesting. You know, he was saying he was friends with magicians. He's always interested mm -hmm. in magic. And there were a lot of magicians who did this as part of their act, pretending right. to read people's minds. So he learned how to do it and spent one of his off days when he was in a, a play that was traveling around the country just doing it for a day to see if he could do it and mm -hmm. it was easy and you know somebody like Orson Welles who's a really good actor but also a, a really uh, someone who's really keyed in to other people it would be very simple for him to mm -hmm. do it because you just pick up on all these cues but what struck me about it was that um, if you ever watch an interview with Orson Welles especially before he got really really old and sort of creaky is that he's very much like Bill in an interview um, he's, he leans in very close to the interviewer. Mm -hmm. he, he, in fact, he had his hand on David Frost's chair. Uh -huh. like that's how close he was leaning it, and he looks right at the person. Yeah. He's always talking directly to him and is just having a conversation. It was amazing how much it seemed that he was like, that's the way Bill is. It, those, does those he take control of the interview the yes, way Bill does? Very yeah, much so. I would have thought so. Very, very much so. And it was just great. I mean, you know, clearly part of it is his persona, but also he's a really good conversationalist. Mm -hmm. and he's genuinely interested in telling this, this interesting story. And I thought, what if Bill and Orson could have interviewed each other? Oh, my oh, God. Wouldn't that have been the best it thing It would have been ever? a battle of the titans. It would have been great. It would have been so good because the two of them would have been totally, like, battling out their turf there, but mm -hmm. not wanting it to come off that way. Yeah. You know, each of them trying to sort of maneuver around each other to, to tell these great anecdotes and, and to be really chummy with each other. Oh, I think it would have been the most amazing Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. So that would have been my dream was to have them interview each other. Mm -hmm. it would have been. If Bill could have gotten him on Raw Nerve. Yeah. But yeah. he's dead. I know. I was too bad he's dead. But you know, that's I, interesting though because you do not see many people handle an interview that way. Mm -hmm. I'll send you the link to this clip. Yeah. It, it's, it's only like six or seven minutes. It's pretty short, mm -hmm. but it's an interesting interview with him. Yeah. And um, I seeing that and and being somewhat of an Orson Welles fan, um, I see a lot of Bill now in the way that Orson was later on. Um, I saw that movie recently, Me and Orson Welles. Oh, I wanted to see that. I'm so, like, I want to see it. Oh, okay, well, you should see Thanks. it then. But I know, as I was watching some of it, and people who apparently know are saying the guy playing Orson Welles is incredible and, and that... Um, somebody on, on my Facebook or something said, you should all go see this just so you know what I had to put up with at the Republic Theater. <laughs> so I guess it's, it's fairly true to life. But I know as I was watching it, there were things I was, I was getting that's so Bill. Yeah. And I can't think specifically what they were. Yeah. But, you know, that's about young Orson Welles and mm -hmm. the Mercury Theater production of Julius Caesar in the, in the 30s. Mm -hmm. But I, I think there were a lot of parallels there, you know. Mm -hmm. Both, you know, guys who were... Um, very handsome and very charismatic. I mean, incredibly mm -hmm. charismatic at a very young age who were able to basically have any woman that they wanted to, um, had very high opinions of themselves mm -hmm. and were able to kind of do the things that they wanted to do because they wanted to do them. And then at a certain point in their lives, I think for Orson it happened a lot earlier, but he he realized that he, he was now a brand. Mm-hmm. 
in the way that Bill now realizes that he is a brand, and yeah. it's given him this permission to do anything that he wants yeah. to do, basically. And I think the same thing happened to Orson after a I while. I think so too. You know, he just realized that people had this idea of who he was, and that's who he had to be. But that was okay. You know what you're reminding me of now is um, when I was like a, a kid and a teenager and doing a lot of babysitting. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you had to stay awake. And I, I watched a lot of Johnny Carson, and that's mm -hmm. how I was introduced to many, many performers. And this was when it was still in New York. Mm -hmm. And people would come on who were writers and who were part of the Broadway scene and the, the, the writing scene and everything. And, and, and they told wonderful stories. And I remember Orson Welles being one of those people who mm -hmm. was just an amazing storyteller mm -hmm. and th th to me that was one of the wonderful things about it was those people were not necessarily there to plug their movie or no. their book or anything they just you know oh, this is a very interesting guy who writes for a magazine and mm -hmm. he comes on and and tells these wonderful tales and Carson yeah. was a great great interviewer I've always thought but you know the thing you're saying about how he focuses right in mm -hmm. I think that's probably one of the secrets of David Frost's success mm -hmm. is he didn't have an audience did he he did in that interview. Really? Because I, I was thinking, like, I know the Tom Snyder show did not no. have an audience, and I don't believe Raw Nerve does from the times no, I've seen I that. Don't think so. And so if the person's going to talk to anybody, they have to talk to you. They can't talk to this amorphous thing yeah. called the audience. But I think the audience is probably much, much smaller than you would have now, typically, right. at the Tonight Show or and, something. And more, more subdued. Not, much more subdued, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, I, I only knew there was an audience because a couple of times Orson said something really funny, and the people mm -hmm. laughed, and he kind of did a glance to the audience well, but he wasn't could playing. it have been the crew mm, I'm not sure I'll have to watch it again but he wasn't playing to the uh -huh. audience that was really really clear he wasn't sitting looking out he was right. looking right at David Frost mm -hmm. but it, it was just really interesting and, and the more I thought about it the more I thought that as you said there are just a lot of parallels between yeah. those two guys and I was also reading, um, I have the second volume of Michael Palin's diaries which I've been reading and he met Orson Welles at mm -hmm. one point and he said it was at this place and like Bill, it was a party not for Orson, but he was there, and clearly he was the big star that mm -hmm. he was there. And he was sitting in the corner, and people just kept coming up to him and being introduced, and he talked to him. And he clearly, that was why he was there, was to sit there and have people be brought to him <laughs> and talk to them and mm -hmm. make conversation and stuff. And when he was done with someone, he kind of moved on to the next person. It's like, that's the way it is for Bill. I yeah. Mean, he's just gotten to the point where he just kind of exists and people are brought to him and he meets them and he's very nice to them and he talks to them and, you know, he, he doesn't have to go out and meet people anymore. Right, right. Everything comes to him. Now, we know Bill throws football parties. Mm hmm Do you think he goes to many parties? No. I don't think he I don't does think either. So. No. I think he probably just hangs around and when he wants to have people, he mm -hmm. has them. Even when he does... These public, when he does events, there are never pictures of him chatting with other people. Mm -hmm. You never, like, there's no cocktail party pictures. When he's on the red carpet, he's interviewed, he sits in his seat, and then he's gone. Yeah, you don't see him in the after party pictures. No, yeah. he's never around. So I don't think he does that anymore. Maybe, I don't even know if he ever did that. Now, what was I watching where he told the motorcycle story again? Where he fell off the motorcycle? Again, he told that story? Yeah, but th th there was a little more detail to it that was kind of interesting. He was all bloody, and his, his T-shirt was all torn up. And he went home, and he snuck in because he didn't want Liz to see him. Oh, God. And he went in the laundry and got a clean <gasps> shirt. And what did he do with the bloody one? I don't know. Probably threw it away or something. But um, 
and then he went over to his daughter's for this birthday yeah. party, and that's when the one son-in-law said, you're a mess, you've got to go to the hospital. Here's the thing, Liz was in bed with the flu all through this. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but I love that. Well, I didn't want Liz to see me, and I laughed because, you know, I think he is so pussy-whipped at home. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's so funny. I think Liz rules with a firm hand. And he probably loves it. Of course. That's what he wants. Oh, that's, you know, maybe that was why his other marriages just didn't work out. Well, you know, it's very interesting. He said something um, that I, I find myself thinking about, about marriage. And he was saying, you know, for in his early marriages, because he was the one making the money and having the success, he thought, he was the important one, and his opinion outweighed everything. And he said, I had to, to go through a lot of pain to learn how to be a husband. I think mm. it's in the book. Mm. where and, and he's saying he, he understands now that when she gives in to him, it's coming from a, a place of, of strength, her own strength, mm. her own decision, and not this, well, he brings home the money, and, and so, you know, whatever. Let, let him have his way. Yeah, and I think, you know, because she's very much a success in a field he respects. And she already was long before she right, met him. Right, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I think they, they, they probably have a fuller relationship mm -hmm. than probably in Bill's earlier marriages just because I think he genuinely does respect her and, and know there are things she's really good at that he respects mm -hmm. and better than him. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, you know, it, it with um, his first wife, uh, Gloria, it seemed like at the time that they met and got married, they were more on an even playing field because they mm -hmm. were both young actors and they were both getting work and they both moved out to California mm -hmm. to do it. But then she had kids. Yeah. And immediately and his career took and off. His career took off. So it just became hugely unbalanced and there was nothing mm -hmm. she could have done about that. Right. You know, yep. she was too busy trying to make a home and take care of the kids. And, you know, one, two, three, they had them really quickly. So that's very interesting. Yeah. I, you know, I wonder, you wonder what would have happened if he hadn't had kids or if he had married a woman who was as famous as him as opposed to somebody I was talking about this once with some email friend of mine um and this is why I think Bill has has finally grown up in certain ways because the friend said I think that as far as Bill's concerned there can only be one star in mm -hmm. a marriage mm -hmm. and I mean, that, that's still true to the, the sense that he's world famous and everything else. But like I was saying, you know, she has her own career and it's not like, oh, this is Mrs. Shatner's thing she does to keep busy. This mm -hmm. is something she's built a life and a career in mm -hmm. far before she knew him. But, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. That would be um, an interesting alternate universe mm -hmm. where Bill meets and has a relationship with another famous star as famous as him mm -hmm. kind of like the frank sinatra ava gardner thing yeah except when they met she was very much a big star and he was down and out mm -hmm. but he was still famous mm -hmm. yeah still a name yeah yeah <laughs> maybe bill shatner and ava gardner i also think oh <laughs> I also think in temperament, I don't think Bill is as volatile as Frank Sinatra no, was. No, definitely not. And I think that contributed to it, that I think mm -hmm. they were both firecrackers. 
Definitely. Would be interesting. Mm-hmm. That would be a great question to ask him, don't you think? What? In an interview. What What if you had, you know, met and married a woman early on who was as famous? I mean, you know, pick someone, some some female star of that time. What you do know you think what I would like to know? What? What screen goddess did he love growing up? Mm-hmm. What, like, who was his crush? Mm-hmm. Dita Barra? No. <laughs> Evil. Well, Ava Gardner's probably right in the right. I think so. Yeah. Age. Right, right. Because yeah. he would have been going to the movies, you know, during World War Two. Mm-hmm. Right. He would have been just at that age. Mm-hmm. And she was certainly on the screen then. Yeah, she was a big deal. Yeah. So. And she was, and she always came across as, as um, I mean, not just voluptuous, but but passionate and mm-hmm. and. You know, not at all the Ice Queen or the, you know, June Allison, the sweet little yeah. sexless wife. Definitely. I, I always would see Bill going for Ava over, like, Grace Kelly, for mm-hmm. example. Yeah. You know, much more Except he likes blondes. Well, but, you know, I could see him being a big Sophia Loren fan. <gasps> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That would have been a good matchup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway... Um, just a what if thing. So yeah, yeah, Bill Shatner and Orson Welles would have been great. And if anybody knows if Bill's <laughs> ever talked about Orson at any point, mm-hmm. I would love to know if he's ever mentioned him or yeah. said anything about him as an actor or a director or whatever. It would be great to know what he thought. Mm-hmm. I would I would love to ask him that question now. Yeah. yeah. So uh, let's wrap this up. Let's wrap. And then um, we'll put in the stuff about the exhibition. And then we'll be back in another week or so with even more stuff because there's going to be more Trek crap. There's going to be more homework. There'll be more stuff about Bill to talk about. There's the convention. There's the convention. There's Eddie Izzard. Yeah. (laughs) There's always stuff going on. Always. Always. Stand by to receive our transmission. Okay. Now it's recording. There we go. Okay. So here we are at the Orion Nebula. And amazingly enough, there's plenty of mayonnaise. Mayonnaise, I know. That's the what mayonnaise we've is good. At the, Orion Nebula. the mayonnaise is very good. Um, so we've just come through Star Trek. It, there was a colon, right? Oh. I think there was. Let me look at my ticket and see what it says. Star Trek, the exhibition. Oh, see, the ticket just says Star Trek. It doesn't even say. The oh, here it is with the colon. Okay, Star Trek colon the exhibition. But okay. only Star Trek is italicized. All right, I just wanted to make sure we got that straightened out. Okay, so first we want to give everybody some advice. Yeah. Buy your ticket in advance. Yeah. And when you get there, go to the will call desk to turn it in for a real ticket. Right. Don't make the mistake of thinking you can just go back to the exhibit. Yeah, so you have to have a barcode on whatever it is that you're doing. Because otherwise, I think even then you have to probably turn it in for a real ticket. You think so? I okay. Think so. Well, you have to have something with a barcode on it. So yeah, go to. The and if you print from a Mac, you don't get the barcode. That's right. Because whatever. And one o'clock in the afternoon, in the middle of Christmas break, is the worst time to go. <laughs> and we should know because that's when we're here. <laughs> right. Also, you should know there's no one like collecting or ripping your ticket. Yeah. So for a long time, you stand in line, going, "When do I get to the part where they collect?" And then you realize. They don't. Yeah. And this line is just people standing in line because they don't know what else to do with themselves or because they are looking at some exhibitions as you first get in that aren't interesting. Yeah, so I have to say, um, it's not designed for a lot of people to be coming through at Mm -hmm. one time. So the the exhibition is in several rooms and there isn't really a flow to it except for a couple of parts where you're walking through like the corridor of the Mm -hmm. TNG Enterprise. 
Um, so it's kind of hard to tell what you're supposed to be doing and whether you're supposed to be following other people or just kind of wandering around. So um, as per our usual, Emma, we just cut in front of people when we needed to. Well, because it's, it's a museum, and if yeah. somebody's looking at stuff in a museum you don't want to look at, you go around You go around them, yeah. And absolutely. a lot of people are doing it, and nobody seemed to be, be upset. So, yeah, so that was some of those people may still be waiting in line. I don't know. <laughs> it's entirely possible. That's right. So um, we... We saw everything. We sat. Well, I sat in the captain's chair. You had done that previously. Yes. We had a picture taken in the captain's chair. Of course, we don't really know what that picture looks like because the line to actually get the pictures was almost as long as the line to get in mm -hmm. the whole exhibition. So we're going to try and get it online later. Hopefully, that'll work. Yeah, and um, as you're saying, it's 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 really crowded and. I urge everyone, when it comes to your town, if you can somehow get a press pass. <laughs> so you go to the preview, because at the preview, they let Mike McGee and me sit in the cabinet chair, take as many pictures as we wanted, you know, sit at the Astrogator station, Astrogation station, <laughs> and go through the Guardian of Forever, and, you know, just do anything we want. Yeah. And it's much stricter. You cannot bring your own camera in. You can't bring in video recording device. So if you want a picture in the captain's chair or of you being transported out, you're going to pay extra yeah, for it. Exactly. Um, so I have to say, um, I don't consider it a good visit somewhere like this unless I get yelled at at least once for doing something I'm not supposed to mm -hmm. do. And that happened today. So that That's was good. True. That's yeah. true. She tried to go into the past, wanted to go... Uh, we experienced um, yesterday. True. I went through the Guardian of Forever and got yelled at because you weren't supposed to do that. But I did it anyway. And so. the interesting thing was it was the Guardian that yelled at you, get <laughs> out of here. So that was good. No and Klingon uh, security. No That's Klingon only security. at the, the press thing. Um, we touched a lot of stuff. We put our hands all over things. And people have been stealing buttons and switches off of the things on the fridge. Yeah. That was pretty bad. Unbelievable. They should, you know... For the bridge, the, the TOS bridge, they should have just put gumdrops on there and replaced them every night. Yes. It would have been cheaper. Yes. Because you can get an awful lot of gumdrops for, you know, a couple of bucks, <laughs> is what I'm saying. So um, my whole impression of it was that it was interesting, but kind of underwhelming for me, just because we've seen a lot of this stuff before. Mm -hmm. Clearly, a lot of it was taken from the Las Vegas exhibition. Right. Um, and so, so much of it is replicas, yeah, not the real thing. There's not very much that's an actual prop or an actual model or even actual costumes. Mm -hmm. um, most of them look like they were replicas. I, I'm not yes. sure of anything, and there was actual costumes. I think that was the costumes worn. from... Uh, the movie, right? The movie were actual, because I remember reading something about they had those. Yeah. And I think some of the props from the new movie. The other stuff, um, I think, is pretty much in the hands of collectors. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, and as you were just saying a minute ago, you know, seeing all this stuff in the museum doesn't really compare to the fact that we got to visit with private collectors and touch the stuff and try it on and hug the pants. And lay on the bed. And lay on the bed. You know, once you've done that, it kind of spoils Everything you. else pales. Yeah, they could open a whole Star Trek theme park and you and Just I would. Just for the pants. Yeah. I mean, the pants. Yeah, the pants. <laughs> the pants. The pants that his butt And their, their replica pants are really lousy. They are. But we did see <laughs> pants <laughs> that you said... Do those pants have a phaser in their pocket, or are they just happy to see us? <laughs> so I went and checked it out, and it's, it's 
it's huge. Mm -hmm. Whatever's in the pocket. Yeah. The the uniform has no hands. <laughs> it was from Enterprise, right? It was, it was from Enterprise, and um, it was Trip Tucker's uniform, the Gary Mitchell character, as I like to think of him, whenever I'm forced to actually think of Enterprise. So, so we did see like a, a museum quality EVE. <laughs> um, there's uh, there's a lot of models. They have one section which is like TNG, where you walk through the corridor and you can see Picard's room, but you can't go in it. The transporter room, and then um, and he keeps his phaser on his desk. Yeah, and his gum. <laughs> and his gum. <laughs> it looked like gum to me. Yeah, well, they were those little micro data uh, yeah. things. And a, and a bottle of Chateau Picard which to remind him of his past. Yeah. Um, what other interesting things did they have? They had a quiz. Oh, it was really fun reading yes. the uh, the labels on the different uh, operating things. Because didn't we see something for sending out your laundry? Yes, there was. A, it was at a horror station. Uh, yes, yeah. and it was shirt pickup pick up. or something. <laughs> <laughs> I have to wonder how much of those on the the TOS bridge were just put in for this exhibit or something. Like, I don't think any of that stuff was actually labeled in the original series. I I really doubt it, and. Um, the other thing is, there were things missing, like that thing Spock is always looking yeah. into, and then the, the one that comes up for Sulu, for Sulu you yeah. know, wasn't there. So I honestly think there are some folks out there who have built better bridges in their garage. I think so, with just more attention to detail, mm -hmm. for sure. And, and authenticity. Yeah. But it wasn't. And also, none of the doors went, you know. It was nice that Captain Kirk's chair had his name on it. Yes, like, but each box station had his yeah. and Aurora's had hers as well. I somehow don't think that they did that on the actual Enterprise. Like, they I didn't don't have either. to label it. No. It's not like grade school where you put your name on your desk so you know where to sit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they need to yeah. do that. Um, they were, probably did that in Starfleet Academy, though. There were some nice pictures of yes. Captain Kirk. Yeah. Looking, looking charming. There were no shirtless pictures. No shirtless pictures. That? No, but they did have the clip from Amok Time where a shirt gets sliced. Right. And when they were showing clips, um, we were going, where, where are the kissing yeah. clips? And they didn't show them at all. So, See, our kissing montage that we did for the show was so much better than mm -hmm. anything anybody could ever do. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's the pinnacle of kissing montages. Yeah. I think. I think so, too. So... Uh, but you know, it's good. I'm glad we came. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm I'm glad we came too. And like I say, I really wish you and all of our listeners could have gone to the press thing with me and with Mike because we just had so much fun and and we're completely on our own, you know. And uh, it's so that was a blast. We went through the um, the island of misfit trek crap. <laughs> yeah, they have every all kinds of trek crap at the end, including. Um, the thing we laughed hardest at, which was the um, Spock death action figures. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And, and Spock has four or five detachable hands. Yeah, he's irradiated Spock. He's irradiated Spock and Admiral and Kirk. Kirk. Kirk looks like he smells something bad. He does. Which is probably the scent of frying Vulcan. <laughs> and lots of other stuff. I, the toy selection was not particularly good. I well, the only say. mini mates, as you pointed out, that they had were uh, McCoy, McCoy and, and Chapel. They had tons that? of those. And yeah. that's why they had tons of those. Because <laughs> nobody wants them. But um, reading, like, the, the backs of the packages is a lot of fun. The... the uh, there's Star Trek Monopoly, and mm -hmm. the, the pieces are Captain's Chair and Klingon Bloodwine Goblet and things like that. And then, um, oh, yeah, now, uh, let me get it right. Houses have been renamed Starships. <laughs> yeah. And Hotel has been renamed Fleet. Fleet. 
but it doesn't tell us if they still look like houses in hotels. And there were no pictures. There were so no you pictures. Tell. No. I got a feeling that they still look like houses in hotels. They probably do. Um, and then they had. And you can mortgage Starfleet headquarters, which really appalled me. Um, they had uh, money, but it didn't say what the actual value of the money was. Right, it was right. just like five, ten, twenty, and. I swear, if it's not Quatloos, I'm going to be pretty pissed off about it. Well, you know, that, it didn't have dollar signs or pound signs or anything in front of the money, so, you know, you could decide it's gumdrops if you want. Quatloos. has to be Quatloos. Um, and what else did we do? Um, oh, they have big cardboard Kirk and Spock, but it's young, juicy yeah, Kirk and Spock. So we didn't want to even touch those. No, no. No one wants those. Um... They have the time, the history of the future, mm -hmm. which is good. Although I have to say, I think it was um, done a little bit better in Las Vegas. It was longer for yes. one thing, and they had more text, which was nice. You could read it. I kind of think this show, because it's being done in bits and pieces, you know, I think in some way it's tailored to the amount of space the particular facility has. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. yeah. But um, I, so as a museum exhibit, I was not particularly impressed by the setup. Mm -hmm. I didn't think it was that great. Well, and the other thing is, I don't feel like the, the whole show actually had a real point of view because some of the stuff, the little things on the side that were telling you things, told you about Star Trek, and some of them told you about real science. So it was like, okay, which is this? Yeah. Yeah, like when we were going up onto the bridge, they had a little plaque that told you about ma matter, antimatter. Yeah. And like, are they giving us the secret to matter, antimatter propulsion? <laughs> is, is it just here on a plaque in the yeah. Star Trek Right, right. Or is it just a load of crap? Right, right. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's fun and certainly, you know, because we didn't pay the extra online ticketing fees and all that. As, you know, it was worth it, but... Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, for anybody who's planning on going, um, I'll clue you in. I, I looked around online and got a, a discount code. When they ask you to enter a promo code or a discount code, you put in the word ARTS, A-R-T-S, and then you get $5 off each ticket, and they waive all of the processing charges, so it ended up being a lot cheaper for us. Great. Come, so, that was um, good. Also, if people are going to different versions of this in the various places, we would love to yeah. hear about it. I'd like to know what else they have in the different ones. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it was cool. It was cool to sit in the captain's chair. Mm -hmm. I hope the picture came out good. I hope so, too. And I was bound and determined to sit in that chair for as long as I possibly oh, could. Oh, you did? You sat there and played with every button? I did. And the whole thing? Because, yeah, because you have to. You have to. <laughs> well, I think that about wraps it up for this mini report. Right. Well, so, Happy New Year, everyone. Yeah, and go see the Star Trek exhibit if you can in your town. Or in your town. coming to your town.
No high heels with cowgirl outfits or on the Guardian of Forever. Oh, okay. I'm just going to go back to yesterday and I'll, okay. I'll be right back. Wow, it's pretty cool. Oh, sorry. It's cool. I know. It's a lot like today. <laughs> <laughs> Put it on top of the job. 